Hey everybody, uh, thanks for tuning in again. Um, this is Nick, aka Goju Ninja. Um, I'm here with my friend Jonathan Seavey from Koko Rizashi Dojo in Virginia. And we're gonna chat a little bit, so say hello. Hi Nick, thanks for having me on, and congratulations on kicking off your podcast series. Thank you very much. I wanted to thank everybody for listening to my first podcast. Uh, it's a big learning experience for me. So thank you to the uh, people who enjoyed it and the people who also uh, kind of verified some things and did some fact checks because um, I'm learning things as I go along as well. So today we are going to talk about our own martial arts journeys and uh, how that can coincide or have to do with tradition uh, in sport or tradition versus sport karate because that's definitely a big topic and I think it's big because of the um, explosion of sport karate and the sport karate being in the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. Um, so for those of you who don't know me um, or just see my profile, I'm going to explain kind of what got me into martial arts, give you a little bit of a breakdown um, so you kind of have some background information about me and then turn it over to Jonathan to give his uh, his input as well so um, for me uh, martial arts I was kind of born into it um, my father and uncle started training when they were very young um, say maybe about 11 or 12 in upstate New York um, they always said to me that in upstate New York there was really nothing to do during the snow season except for play hockey or do some kind of activity inside so when they got into it they kind of devoted their lives to it um, and uh, they were fortunate to to really train with a lot of like tough guys that you know came from good uh, good traditional schools and they had a few different dojos in their vicinity I don't know maybe 50 miles from each other at the most had a lot of like um, interconnected dojos and competitions and tournaments and they had um, all kinds of, of people that, that trained. So anyways, um, I was born into it and I started training when I was really young. Um, I just thought it was like normal for people to have dojos in, in their garage. Um, I didn't know that, you know, there was a lot of other sports out there when I was younger just because that's, you know, that was what my dad and uncle did. Uh, that was their, their whole life. I mean, besides their normal job. So I grew up around it. Um, Throughout the years being younger, I kind of went back and forth um, with wanting to do karate because in, in one end it was something that was cool, but in another end it was something that like my dad uh, didn't force on me whatsoever, but just it was, I don't know, kind of expected that I did it. And growing up too, I was kind of, I mean, I've always been a small person and I was actually just like scared to fight and spar. Like it took a, took a long time for me to feel comfortable with, um, you know, with sparring and, and just being really physical with another person. Um, but I trained for a couple years in New York, uh, which is where I was born, but then I moved to uh, Jacksonville, Florida, where I live now. Um, I'm 32 years old. I've lived in Jacksonville for probably about 28 years, so I'm definitely a Floridian. Um, but I trained uh, in Florida until I was 14, 15, and then I just kind of stopped. I got into high school and it just wasn't the, the cool thing to do. I'd rather skateboard and 
uh, be a beach rat and just live live that lifestyle <laughs> so um and then you know went through high school and i really got back in when i was 18 19 years old strictly for self-defense so um i wanted to kind of describe the, the beach life a lot of people think that the beach uh is very you know surfer oriented hippie lifestyle that people are just you know peace love and happiness but where i live is was kind of rough i'm not saying it was like gangland but it was just a lot of people that fought and you know just had like really aggressive mindsets yeah. um being young so there was kind of like two two pinnacle points that really got me in like all right i need to go back and train and um you know, just just being out in in a party scene, and I saw some some brutal stuff. Like I watched somebody. <laughs> it sounds crazy, but I watched somebody get like beat so bad their nose just split, like covered in blood. Oh. And and then one of my one of my good friends got in a fight and got sucker punched in the cheekbone and broke his cheekbone, and the cheekbone got shoved into the eye socket, and he almost went blind. And I mean, we're talking like. I'm only like 18, 19, you know, around that environment. So that's what got me into it. And I knew that my dad was uh, primarily teaching at my uncle's school. And I know that he'll, you know, kind of put the heat, uh, put the heat on me to get back in. So um, when I went back, he was teaching a lot. We were doing a lot of dojo fighting. We did some sparring with no pads. Um, our classes for the adults were like about two hours or two and a half hours. Um, and you had a bunch of 20 to 25 year olds, so the training was was definitely tough, um, but helped with conditioning and just in understanding. And because we had a plethora of people, we got to see different fighting styles, or not not styles, because it was still the traditional karate, but just different fighting approaches and uh, people from all walks of life. So uh, I trained for about two years, and uh, then I earned my, my black belt. Um, I had been a second queue or first queue when I quit when I was younger in our association typically you don't get your black belt or you, you're not eligible until you're 16 so I would have had to train an extra two years anyways but when I got back in there a lot of it came back pretty quick and uh, you know we had a, a tougher uh, tougher crowd so I was there earned my black belt um, and then I stayed training to pass on the, the, the teaching. We had a couple people that taught and I started to fall in um, with like strength and conditioning for everybody in their workouts. And then, um, you know, fast forward a couple years too, I started trying other styles because my dad always suggested that I go and do that because he did that too. He, you know, was cross-trained. Um, I wouldn't say it was like mixed martial arts, but he would go to other styles of karate or Japanese jujitsu. So a couple of things that I did, I did um, Weichiru when I would travel to a place in upstate New York with a really good, is a small school, but really tough guys. Um, did a little bit of Muay Thai, a little bit of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And then some of the times I'd collaborate with friends who you know, just coincidentally would train at other schools um, and wouldn't have like challenge matches, but we would test our, our arts um, with each other. Like we, I'd spar sometimes with a like Wing Chun friend that I have an American boxing friend and um, do some rolling with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and some friends who were kickboxers. Uh, 
So that was cool to be able to see what worked and what didn't. And even though I had friends who didn't come from traditional martial arts, they still appreciated some techniques that, that we did. And, uh, you know, I, I could figure out what worked and what was applicable to them. Um, and that, that helped my training. And then just, you know, you just kind of stay in the dojo developing yourself through the years. And then I went through a larger stage of research in which I really need to get back into that because um, I researched more fight specific, but I would prefer to research more um, Japanese language and the understanding behind it. And actually, Jonathan, he corrects me a lot of the time, but it's good because I need to learn those things um, just to, to help advance my, my training and understanding. But when I did do research, I would talk to instructors a little bit about their history and about the techniques and I went through a probably about a six month period where I heavily watched uh, YouTube videos with real fights and that was actually that was hard like because I'm not a real violent person so watching people like get their like face beat in in a real fight yeah. was tough because but I, I wanted to do that because I knew that that's gonna be probably the most realistic I could see what worked and what didn't and um, that that was important to my training because I can eliminate things that aren't gonna work for me and teach things that I might not, te teach things that, I, that I've that i seen actually happen in a real fight. And not just UFC type stuff, I mean like real street fighting and, and self-defense situations. Um, and then I read books, just various books on, on different things and podcasts weren't really a big thing, but I would watch interviews with people and I became really obsessed and drove a girl that I was dating crazy and she almost broke up with me because <laughs> she would be like, oh yeah, I'm in you know, college class today. And um, she'd be like, yeah, in college we learned about like World War II. And I'd be like, oh, World War II, the, the war with Japan. And let me tell you about Okinawa, blah, 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 blah. But, um, and the last few years, I've been breaking down body positioning in the katas and seeing how the opponents react and seeing what works for me um, and putting that into play uh, so I like a lot of the new information coming out uh, with the practical karate because it's I think that really coincides with with where I'm at uh, now in my training and um, just to end my little martial arts journey uh, what's cool is that Goju has created my fighting style it might not mean anything to people because of course if you grew up doing Muay Thai you're going to fight like a Muay Thai fighter and you know if you grew up wrestling you're going to fight like a wrestler but it's just neat because if I'm given a new goju technique I can just feel feel how it's how I interpret it to be be uh, executed because of just the the katas and what they taught me over the years so it really dictates how I move and how I react and um that I constantly always want to close the gap. So I'm, you know, in the place where I am kind of creating and making my own fighting style and solidifying it, not just necessarily following anymore um, what my, my dad or uncle's fighting style is. I mean, I still learn from them. We were even in a session last night, and I mean, I still learn the most basic things that are just you know can be like mind-blowing to me but I'm starting to solidify how I'm gonna fight um, or how I would fight because I think I'm still kind of on the self-defense path mostly still self-development but self-defense is definitely a huge uh, a huge aspect for me 
but that's that's my journey. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Jonathan, and he will tell his because we have a little bit different paths, and it's cool how our paths crossed eventually, yep. and now we're here. So here he is. Yeah. Um, so Nick, a lot like you, my journey started in upstate New York as well. Uh, a little bit further north than I think where you were. You were in Oswego? Like, Oswego, Oswego, yeah. Oswego is where you guys started. I started in Canton, New York, which is kind of northeast of Oswego, if you follow up the border yeah. up, up that way. Canadian. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> eh? And uh, there was a karate program that started in the bomb shelter of Hugh C. Williams um, Elementary School. And... I went in there and I, I started. I, I think I told you earlier that it was a Shotokan-based uh, system, and yeah. I was a child. But I, yeah. I, I really, I remember doing like our first kata, and I yeah. remember it being like, I, I'm pretty sure it was Shotokan. I might be wrong, but the the system that they they labeled themselves was Zendo Kai, and I think I still have my like T-shirt mm-hmm. from when I was in that in that group, um, but life experiences and choices and stuff like that I didn't didn't stay with it very long and I ended up um, through some family issues and things like that I ended up moving to Pennsylvania uh, in with my mom because my mom and my my dad were divorced when I was very little and I didn't have like the outlet for doing anything and um, I kind of got into this computer game where it sounds so nerdy like I, I was so into it but like looking back I'm like wow I was a huge nerd but it was <laughs> this text based computer game there was no computer graphics or anything you had not to, like the Oregon Trail not, like, yeah, Oregon you have Trail, dysentery that, that, had, that had more graphics involved than this game this was literally just text like yeah. I had to read everything and then you had to like type in a command and yeah. you know but it was like this medieval game and I, I was just hooked on it and I played pretty much like when I came home from school to you know when I had to have dinner or whatever and my stepdad thankfully was kind of like hey I'm sick of this like you need to get away from that computer you know interact your family's here like interact with your family at least go outside do some stuff whatever blah 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 and I was like and whatever you're not my real dad you know (laughs) he uh he got me to watch a movie with my little brother it was um, him and my little brother all of a sudden, this, uh, you know, music came on and guys walking around with like these big afros and stuff. And I was like, man, what is this? Like, I don't, I don't want to watch this. It's not even like a modern movie, you know. I don't want to watch this. Yeah. But by the end of the movie, I was like so entranced by what I just saw on the screen. I was like, wow, that I want to do that. And the movie was Enter the Dragon yeah. with Bruce Lee. And you know, I, I, I literally like I think I got up off the couch and started like kicking and punching and like making <laughs> making sounds and you yeah. know everything Whoa! yeah exactly yeah. Uh, you know immediately and so I talked to my stepdad and my mom about signing up for karate classes now in the area that we lived in in Pennsylvania there was no karate mm. um, not in the like Japanese or Okinawan sense yeah. but there were like several Taekwondo schools and there were two Tung Sudo schools mm, okay. now one of the Tung Sudo schools that her, the teacher there was, her, she went by the name of um, Kryeski her name was Mrs. Kryeski and I knew her because she was a substitute teacher mm. at my school yeah. and I just I did not <laughs> yeah. we did not yeah. get along 
Uh, so I did not want to go to her dojang, but there was another one down in Tonkanic, Pennsylvania. His name was uh, Master Kevin Robinson. Hmm. And my mom called him up, and it was literally the very next day that I went to his dojang. Yeah. Um, went up, it was like uh, above a radio shack. And it was kind of radio a, shack. That's yeah, a, that's nineties, right? <laughs> yeah, not even uh, not even in existence anymore. But it was like a long, narrow dojang, mm-hmm. um, and then there was like a little room in the back room, and we went in there. And uh, I, my my first instructor there, her name was Miss Marianne Wasserman, and she you know taught me some basic fundamentals. And then her husband at the end of class came out and gave me some more instruction. His name was Mr. Bill Wasserman. Mm-hmm. And then I came back on, I believe that was like a Tuesday night, and I came back on Thursday and kind of did the same thing like away from the class. Yeah. But like that Wednesday, like even like at school and stuff, like I was practicing yeah, all the moves. everything that I had just learned the night before. So when I went back Thursday night, like I showed them like everything, like I remembered yeah, every yeah. single detail that they told mm-hmm. me and they were like, huh, yeah. you know, okay, you <laughs> have to do this twice, you're yeah. doing pretty good. So they like threw me into like the regular class mix yeah. and I was I was pretty hyped and, and I got very hooked. Um, but there was, it wasn't just like the training, but there was a feeling in, yeah. in that school. And I, I, I kind of skipped over this, but watching Enter the Dragon, you know, they're, they're flying over the island and they're coming in and you see all the guys and their geese and they're, you know, punching and the, yeah. you know, walking into the dojang, it was very much that same way. There was a large number of, uh, members in the school and that's what it was you know they were down in their horse stances and they're throwing their punches and the ki eyes and well in korean they say ki hap but um it was it, it was just such a uh, like a magical feeling like yeah it, it just really felt magical and I, I got like instantly hooked and i started training um like it was twice a week and then i, I think it was twice a week for about three months i think it was right after my first test mm that Master Robinson was like, well, you know, you, you can do both classes if you want to, because I was in, like, the kids' class. Yeah, yeah. But I was kind of a big kid. I was tall. Like, I'm six foot now. Yeah, yeah. I think I was six foot at, like, 11, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Like, so he, he let me do, like, the adult classes, too. Yeah. Um, so I was coming, like, every night yeah. uh, uh, to, to train, and, you know, I, I loved it. And Which probably helps you progress faster, because we have students that do that as well and yeah. the ones who do that even some of our adults will come in and sit in the back for our yeah. kids class and those are the ones that typically stick around and yeah. they train hard and they you know they yep. they have to find their own reasoning or or, or love or appreciation yeah, for I, it so i just love the two things i love the physicality of it i love that like endorphin dump like after a good workout yeah um so i really really enjoyed that but there was also like a sense of like family within the dojang yeah. that I was kind of missing in my own life like yeah. I had my family yeah. but I was still like young and like not understanding the complexities of yeah. having multiple families through divorce and things yeah, like that yeah, yeah. so when I went to the dojo, uh, dojang it really felt like I was in a place where I belonged yeah yeah so that was huge for me and I, I got to a point where you know I, I tested literally every three months like mm. I I raced through the yeah. ranks and got to my Chodan bow. Yeah. But I could never test for my black belt because I kept messing around with grades and stuff like that. My mom wouldn't let me go to 
black belt camp, which was a requirement in the World Tung Sudo Association before you tested for your black belt. And so that is what it is. So my junior year of high school, same story, messing around with grades and stuff like that. My dad, who lives in Virginia, said, dude, can't you quit messing around or you're going to have to move to Virginia and do your oh. senior year away from your school, yeah. away from all your friends, away from karate, yeah. and you know, do it under my rule. I was like, yeah, whatever, Dad, you know. <laughs> and, whatever, a-hole. Yeah, I didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but literally June 2nd, my 18th birthday of 2003, I am packed up all my stuff and moved to Virginia because oh. I had to. Ah. And the, the I got there at like midnight that day. And the next day, like unloaded my, my little truck that I had and mm. moved into my dad's house. And he said, hey, I found a karate school down the street. You're going, you know, you're going to go tonight. Mm, okay. And so I went to... And you were training Tung Sudo up until that point, I was right? training Tung Sudo up until that point. I had done some... Uh, so Master Robinson had taken me to a couple different places, and mm. he allowed me to do some cross-training. He actually encouraged us mm. to do cross-training. He always said, uh, you know, maybe Tung Sudo is not for you. Yeah. He said, you know, maybe there's a better style out there. You know, go try the Taekwondo school down there. Maybe that instructor, you know, maybe his teachings will resonate with you more than what yeah. I can give yeah. you. Um and maybe it doesn't. Maybe you yeah. like the teaching, but come back and bring it back, you know, yeah. and, and share yeah. with us like your experience. That was a big thing that he always did. So I did. I, I went. I went to the Taekwondo school, um, which uh, I I hate to say it, but I think it that's what kind of created that bias for me because I I have a strong like bias against Taekwondo, and yeah. I think that's kind of where the foundation was was just this really bad that, that bad experience. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Um, well, like so, I was telling you too, like my the whole, you know, I'd always seen some of it online that like MMA, BJJ, hating on karate. But my first experience was like I was telling you yesterday that we went, my dad and I went to go do a BJJ school, and the guy's yeah. like, "Oh, you karate guy? Like, I thought you guys hate karate." Yeah. I'm like, "Okay, well, you just lost yeah. two people." Who, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I'm like, well, there's what the hell? We're not we're not in here boasting like we do karate and yeah. yada yada yada." Yeah. So. But. Well, my the bad experience that I had was not quite like that. The it was more like I went in there and I I went to their beginner class and I told him like, "Hey, I've been training for it's been probably been about 2 years at that mm. point in Tong Sudo, which is, you know, it's kind of like a sister style to Taekwondo. Yeah. We do a lot of high kicking and yeah. you know, that kind of stuff too. Um, but he let me he's he's like, "Well, this is totally different." Uh, do you know just do what you can and try to keep up yeah. well it was like very clear that his students were now trying to keep up with me yeah. in the program yeah. you know so then he yeah. let me stay for the adult class yeah. and then he had me stay for the advanced class yeah. and their advanced class was sparring that night so he had me spar yeah. and no no one in that group was keeping up like his black belts weren't keeping up with me and I was a mm. green belt in yeah, Tung Sudo at yeah. that point in time yeah. and then he made me spar him yeah. and it was like a weird thing because in my mind I was like, oh, this is like the master. Is he going to just like blow, like crush me? Yeah. Should I not even yeah. fight him or like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then it got to a point where I was like, well, I'm here. Let me just go ahead and do it. Yeah. And I remember like just like kicking him in the head and then like yeah. him not getting upset at all, which I was like, okay, this is cool. This is not so bad. Yeah. But immediately it went, the, the conversation shifted from, hey, 
this is some good training, you know, blah, 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 to, hey, we have a Taekwondo tournament that's coming up in like a month hmm. and we want you to represent our school. And I was like, uh... Yeah, just to get, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't sound like like a, a thing that I want to be yeah, a part good, of. Yeah, you know, good, that's, good practice. That, that, that's, that's weird. That's, that's, you're lacking some integrity, I yeah, think, if, yeah. you, if you do something like that. So I, I just left and never came back. So it just, like I said, it just could have put a bad taste in my mouth. Not that it was a really bad experience, just yeah. put a bad taste in my mouth. Um, so anyways... Long story long, moved, moved to Virginia and I started doing uh, Shorinjiryu Japanese karate uh, in a dojo in Gloucester, Virginia. It became very apparent to me that the style that I was doing was missing. It had a lot of holes in it mm. because the kata syllabus mm-hmm. mirrored the Tongsudo kata syllabus exactly. Hmm. So like, except for like, there's some... Tongsudo specific things like their Segehyeon, Ilbu, Ibu, and Sambu, they're, they're, they're like their Kihon kata. Okay, okay. And then they get into their Pyongans. In Japanese, they'd be like the Pinans or Pinans. Heans. Yeah. Well, we started with Pinan Nidan, but they were missing two of the five kata, so they only did yeah. three Pinans. Yeah. Then they go to Nahachi, then Basai, Jian, and Gojushio. But there, so there, there's just a lot of like stuff that yeah. was just missing, which is okay, I guess, yeah. but it just. Again, I, I want to I want to have a full yeah. If I'm gonna do it, I want to know the whole yeah, curriculum. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I stayed there for about three years, and <clears throat> I tested for my shodan actually at that dojo, and then I I kind of left after I got my shodan, and I did like some self training for about a year in just my yard, and several of the the students that were. At the dojo, they would mm. come by my house and, you know, get private lessons. Not not really private lessons, but like training, you know, yeah. just because they, they wanted to be like polished up or tuned up for, you know, a tournament or a test or whatever. So I I always offered my services. I didn't, I had no problem yeah, helping yeah. out. You know, it probably I, helps you too because, you, you know, sometimes that camaraderie yeah, exactly. helps. Like, yeah, it's hard I, sometimes to like pick yourself out of like a just yeah. always alone, 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 yeah. you know, or, yeah. yeah. So... Like I said, about a year goes by, and um, another one of like the, the the top student, he was an older gentleman at the time. Uh, he reached out to me and invited me to come have a meeting with him. He had an opportunity he wanted to discuss with me about opening a dojo in um, another town. So I sat with him, and you know we decided, yeah, let's go forward with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he said he didn't want to open this dojo if I wasn't with him and his son. So we went and we opened this dojo up in Saluda. And it was a cool, it was a cool dojo, man. Yeah. It was like in this, like abandoned, like office park. Yeah. And we were like the only ones in there. <laughs> it was, it was cool. And we, yeah. we put a lot of work into making this like a nice yeah. facility. But uh, again, about a year into it, our building got like a black mold infestation. Oh, and our, man. our landlord like refused to do an abatement. Uh-huh. So we ended up having to like rip all of our stuff out and like bleach everything and clean everything <sighs> up we could and then that's crummy. We had, we moved into a dance studio, so we oh, were yeah. sharing a, a space with a dance studio. Yeah, I know how that is. <laughs> before before the black mold infestation, uh, I, I tested for my nidan okay. uh, with, with that group. Yeah, and then we were in the dance studio, and you know we were kind of like trying to find a home too because we didn't really have direction because we had split from this other guy that we were with in, yeah. in Gloucester uh, and we we're trying to figure out a way we could advance 
not only like ourselves, but have a path for our students to yeah. kind of follow along. And so we linked up with some guys from New York that were part of another group called AFMA, which is the American Federation of Martial Arts. Okay, yeah, AFMA. Uh, yeah. And they, um, they're not just New York, they're, they're kind of all over, but yeah. I, I think like the largest contingency of their schools at the time was in Is, New York. Yeah, in New York. So they took me um, to compete at their like world championships mm. down in the Dominican Republic in 2011, mm. where I, I won the, our, our team comité mm. thing like for us. It was like a tied score, yeah. and we were fighting Haiti, and I, I, I beat the, their last leg. Oh, okay. So it won like the thing for our team, <laughs> and then we... Is this within the... Your Shorinjai, yeah, Shorinjiru like style. style. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, no, no, I mean, th those guys were Shotokan. Uh, it was like oh. a like an inter tournament. Thing. Oh, okay, okay. So okay. Afma is not just Shorinjiru. It's like an umbrella organization yeah, yeah. over Shotokan. Uh, there okay. were some Goju people. There, yeah. You know, There's a lot of different okay. systems cool. in there. That's cool. Yeah. So when we went to this World Championships, it was just a you know a blend of styles. Just like if you go to a WKF tournament today. Yeah, you got people who have their yeah. specific styles they came from or sure. Why not? Okay. And um so I, I remember I won the the team kumite thing. I got disqualified in individual kumite mm. uh because I just kept hitting the guy. <laughs> and uh the worst part is is uh he was on my team too, the guy that I fought yeah. that I ended up getting disqualified against. Yeah. So it was kind of a bad situation yeah and then um i won for weapons which was kind of weird because like i've never thought of myself as like yeah, a weapons, weapons guy yeah. or was anything. it weapons forms or yeah something? just yeah. forms yeah i did uh a bow kata oh, okay and then i got second place in regular kata which oh, okay. again not never thought of myself as a kata yeah guy, but yeah. here i am like meddling in it yeah yeah kind of weird and then they, they brought me back the following year in 2012 to panama panama city yeah um to be like the team captain of this group and mm. you know we got like death threats and all kinds of crazy stuff but it was it was, it was neat though because we got to like meet the uh, Panamanian like president mm. and like a couple of uh, senators and stuff actually yeah. some pictures yeah. of them while we were down there uh, they, they televised it and it, was, it was kind of a neat thing and we won yeah. For Team Kumite again. Yeah. And now, is this your school that won, or is it like is it? So your... there was members from different dojos that were part of the team. Oh, okay. So okay. like it was um, a guy from New York. Yeah. Um, um, myself, and then there was a guy from Raleigh, North Carolina, okay. that Team USA. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. Yep, and then shortly after that, like we kind of. The, the the people that we were like the had the closest relationship to in Asthma mm -hmm. kind of broke away from Asthma and they created their own kind of path yeah. and we followed yeah. in that path and uh, then I tested for my Sandan and then some more time passed by still training yeah. and I started teaching a YMCA program mm, yeah was, you told me yeah, yeah it was that. a very small program first eight weeks I had two children yeah <laughs> and I was like this is gonna be a big waste of my time but yeah. you know let's go do it anyway I didn't really think of it as being a big waste of my time I just meant like I didn't think that it yeah. was gonna turn into anything because yeah. there was only yeah. two kids you know and sometimes I think it can be kind of disappointing like you want to yeah. teach everybody even if it's one person yeah. or a hundred but yeah. I mean you walk in sometimes you know if I walk in class and there's one kid I'm like oh man like I wish you know there's again I think for me some of the camaraderie or just having a lot of people in different yeah you know aspects but yeah. so actually I started teaching this this YMCA program in 2012 that same year that I went to Panama oh okay um 
but like it, it just kind of like exploded. It, so I went from two kids the first uh, like season. Yeah. Then the next season that they did, it went like to sixteen, and then it like blew up again. Oh yeah. And we had like thirty children by the third season yeah. that I had to break it up into multiple classes. Yeah. And it was yeah. a one night a week thing for the YMCA. Okay. So it wasn't even like in a dojo. It was like in in the Y. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty cool, and, and through that program, we went to, and we started competing uh, at AAU National okay. Championships, yeah, yeah. and we had two champions come out of a one-night-a-week yeah. training program, <laughs> which was kind of cool. Yeah. And one of the parents asked me if I would like to open a dojo in Matthews, and I was mm. like, no way. You know, yeah. It's a little small town, uh, you know, I don't see a lot of growth yeah, you know, in, yeah. in, that, in that area maybe but, not the best demographic right type, exactly yeah. and he kind of convinced me to do it he said you know I, I, I know a building that the price is right so if you <laughs> just come and look at it I'll help you yeah like get it off the ground and stuff like that so I yeah. went and looked at it and you know I have a pretty good imagination so I looked at the space and I was like yeah you know I think we can make this work yeah it was just a space you know there the, there was no lights there were no bathrooms there were no you know anything but it had yeah. a big window like storefront and uh, it was a long space and there was like a weird wall that was just like kind of leaning over like it wasn't attached to anything it hmm. just so we had to do a bunch of demo work and then build it out yeah and uh, you, you actually been there that's you the, saw the, the first one that, the first one yeah. that you went to yeah, yeah. so it, it became a pretty nice school for that little yeah. small little thing well, I think, you know you, know, you what it was smaller, but you made the you made the space nice. Like mm -hmm. it looked, it looked you know welcoming and nice when you came in, regardless of the floor space that you had. Sometimes I think that that's that's probably more important than actually being able to you know like yeah. okay I can do a hundred moves forward or whatever yeah. you know. So, yeah. but it, it did get tight when we had you know fifteen to twenty students on yeah. the floor. We had, we kind of had to get creative with yeah. how we were. I'm assuming probably kumite too if you had more than one. You know, like so, two or three groups. So like, what I would do is, like, when people were fighting, like, everybody would be, like, in the, like, the little waiting area that I had out yeah. front, and then only one group would fight oh, at a time, yeah. and they'd kind of rotate yeah, like that, yeah. because, yeah, it was just, it was too, we tried it with, like, multiple matches yeah. going on, going and just like crazy. Pull back your hand and hit the guy behind you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, one time I was actually sparring with one of the students, and she had tripped over her own feet yeah. in the match which you know sometimes that yeah, yeah, happens yeah you go to move and you she, I think slip. she was like a I think she might have been a blue belt at the time yeah and this made me so nervous but she was like getting ready to go like head first into our weapons rack oh yeah so I was like oh my gosh so yeah. I like grabbed her and like kind of like spun her while she was falling and yeah. she fell she broke her arm oh while she fell yeah so it was one of those things where I was like oh man do I just let her smash her face on the weapons yeah or, or yeah which, which would have been better um, luckily you know her parents were like hey it's karate. It's contact it's, sport. It's, yeah. it's how it happens, and she's yeah. still back in the dojo. You know, she's a um, she's a son Q now. She's you know she's yeah. still yeah. she's going. So that's that's awesome. Nice. And now we have you know our nice big beautiful dojo. That it is very very nice. And uh, well, it. <laughs> I used to think it might have been the nicest in the Shobukan. Then I just came and saw your guys' <laughs> new dojo. And now I'm like, man, I gotta go back and redo some stuff. No, but seriously, anybody who's listening who wants he can explain more but traditional or sport because he does that we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute you guys should check him out in Virginia but Matthews Virginia still which is near the Hampton area yeah still um, somewhat or like sort of near the Hampton roads so yeah um, it's closer to the Williamsburg area yeah. if you're familiar with 
like colonial Williamsburg and yeah. you know that touristy stuff. We're not yeah. not too far from there. Hmm. Um, but yeah, anyways, and, and getting back to like the sports side of things, I also like even from back when I was in Tongsudo, I've I've been a competitor. I've, yeah. I've been uh, in high school. I played a sport every season, and yeah. I you know I had that competition mindset then. Um, I, I competed at the local level a lot in Pennsylvania with Tongsudo, and then mm. when I moved here, immediately jumped into that AAU. Yeah, competition the whole circuit, arena, to, yeah, and even like NASCAR. I even did NASCAR okay. for a little bit, which is, you know, kind of more like showy. You yeah. Know, I, I, now I kind of poke fun at it, but yeah. at the time I was kind of serious yeah. about yeah. it. Yeah. And um. And and now I compete, you know, internationally a lot more. I, I go to the WKF Series A's events. Yeah. Uh, just was in Montreal. Actually, I'm wearing my shirt. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I was in Montreal a couple weekends ago for the WKF Series A event. My first one was in Okinawa, actually, yeah. that you got to yeah. um, go to, yeah. which was a lot of fun. Yeah. And so that's part of, you know, I think part of why I'm here today too, right, is to kind of discuss <clears throat> some sport training and, you know, the we see a lot of hatred towards like the WKF yes, sport. Yes. And, and I was I was in that boat too between me being traditional and you know not I I think I was influenced somewhat by my dad and uncle and they competed when they're younger but as they get older they're like oh you know we don't see the point in competing because their techniques change yep. like how they want to approach something because you know, it, but but even so, that they competed themselves. So yeah. I think that there's value in in competition. I, our dojo doesn't really teach it, but I do like watching videos, learning things. Like he, uh, uh, Mr. CV uh, gave a little bit of a, a kumite class when he came a few months ago to visit our dojo. Which actually, before I forget, you should tell them how you got into oh like Shobukan. Shobukan. Yeah, 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 which is more traditional. Yeah, so. You know, when I was teaching my YMCA program, um, the instructor that I was with, he and I just kind of had a, a, a little bit of a falling out. We had a different um, we had a different understanding about where we wanted to go with our future and where we how we wanted to bring our students along, and I ended up kind of like being like, okay, I'm just gonna. My, my, my dojo is going to be labeled as Kokorozashi Dojo and it's going to be separate from what his was called which, which was Seikukan and you know he came to my dojo one time and, and kind of uh, made an announcement that we were no longer part of the program but we were still like family or whatever and it was just it was a really weird and awkward thing and so I spoke with a friend of mine, his name is Chase, actually, uh, who's from Jacksonville, but was living in Virginia. And he said, hey man, like, so what are you gonna do? Are you going to, uh, Nick is cracking open a nice cold Orion beer, <laughs> it's only uh, nine well, o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but anyways, Chase had asked me, you know, what, what, we were, what I was going to do as far as like a path for my students, if I'm no longer with this other group, what were we going to do? And I wasn't sure, you know, I had a lot of different options um, through competitions and seminars and you know other things I built up a lot of relationships with yeah. a lot of local dojos in Shorunru, Shitoryu, yeah. uh, Shotokan and, and, and kind of lucky with that too like I was thinking 
you know, sometimes I'm the highest ranking student in our school besides my dad and uncle. And right. sometimes if I want to, I don't know, spar a little harder, fight harder, it's kind of... It's difficult. Yeah, it's not fair because I, you know, some of these students are. You know, some people walk in, they're just really good street fighters. Yeah. Like, so we have some tough dudes. You might meet them today when we go train, but, um, but I don't have an option because we only have Americanized type karate here, and then MMA schools. But you know, I don't want to go to MMA school like, hey, I want to spar because they're yeah. gonna kick the crap out of me. Right. So, um, you know, or just go super hard. But anyway, so that that's you know, you did have a lot of avenues from when I visited you, just having like. Two or three other schools were like, yeah. "Wow, that's super cool," you yeah. know. Yeah, and they they're beautiful dojos, and, and I, I still have a, a very good relationship with all of these people. Um, but the problem with it was was that they also had a relationship with the guy that I was, you know, that I had just left, mm. and I didn't really want to like pollute the you know yeah. our, our relationship with any kind of bad blood or anything like that. Yeah. So I said, you know what, let me just like look outside of my immediate circle. And I asked Chase, I was like, you know, what do you think? Because you know, you know, he's a, a Shodan as well. Yeah. And, uh, actually, he was a Nidan in, in the Shodan Jiu. Yeah. And then he was like, you know, why don't I reach out yeah. to my buddy Nick? And, and he was just, I think he was just a, a brown, brown belt. belt. Yeah, he was a brown belt. First, first cue with, yep. with us before he left yep. Jacksonville. So he he was like let me reach out to Nick and let's see if you know how, how would you feel about doing some goju yeah. and I was like yeah. well I know I know goju kata yeah I just don't know like the the curriculum yeah. Yeah. that goes along with it so yeah like I'd be open to having at least a conversation and yeah. so he reached out to you and your dad and you guys were like okay well you know just work on the kata work on the kata and then come <clears throat> and visit us yeah. Did so, we give you any, I think we gave you references, like watch this guy or that guy. Cause I, like, I think I think you had sent like some uh, Higona clips. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you're which, like, you know, they're, they're, these are pretty close to what we're doing, but it's yeah. not, but keep in mind it's not exactly the same, yeah. it's just kind of close. Yeah, because that was before Masada Bushinjo's tape was out. Right. So it was, that was the best thing, just to get the basics yeah. of, well, you know, there's a so, lot of differences. But, so yeah. that's what I was doing, and then actually the, uh, the Bull of Goju DVD, I, I ended up getting that yeah. before I came down yeah and so I came down with Chase in October of 2000 and I'm sorry September of 2014 yeah it had to be yeah 14 2014 yeah I think it was somewhere it's somewhere right around it was it was definitely 2014 because 2015 is when I went to Okinawa with your dad oh yes yeah 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 so in 2000 and no it was it 2016? Think well. When did we went in 2017? So I went with your dad in 2016. Yes. 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 Okay. Yeah. So in 2000, I guess 2015 then September yeah. of 2015, I um I came down, and, uh, just did a like a week long training with you and your dad, and we just kind of went through, um, everything. Yeah. And then at the end of the week, your dad was like. Yeah, I think you're like at least showdown level. Yeah, this is where I'm gonna put you. And yeah. he, he he gave me two certificates. One was for my Gojudo showdown, and the other one was for my like to to announce that I'm like a Shibu Dojo under your dad. Yeah, yeah, which was like a huge deal for me. Like that was. Uh, and let me let me add some things too. I may have told you before, but for you know I know my father, and for him to do that is is kind of a big deal because we have people. And I don't know if anybody listening out there has the same deal with associations. We have plenty of people, I say plenty, maybe three or four people per year 
that contact us out of the blue, say they live like we live in Jacksonville, they'll say they live in Gainesville or Southern Georgia or whatever, they wanna come and train and then they try to get rank from us. But as Jonathan can tell you, our Shobokan Association is very small and it's, I'm not saying it's super elite or incredibly hard to get into, but the black belt isn't so much just, hey, you know all the techniques. It's also, can we trust this person to stay within our association? Yeah. and you know, have some of the same values. So my dad was impressed when you came in and, <laughs> or, I mean, cause out of the blue, you're like, okay, yeah, I know all these things and went went through them all. Of course he saw some areas like to yeah. improve, but you, to him, you committed months before to learn all of our stuff to get into our association. Yeah. And we had a really good relationship with Chase. Yeah. So, you know, we had to kind of vouch for you cause we're always very like, yeah. Like, is this what the you know was this guy's intentions or whatever? Yeah. So, yep. and it might have been a little bit controversial. Like, oh, you're gonna train with this guy for a week and game a black belt. Well, you have to put in all the factors prior to that. Yeah. And then, he, dad's very rarely, if ever, done that. And I mean, then look where we are now. Like yeah. four years later, like yep. you've went to you went to Okinawa more than most of the conchos <laughs> have. You know that have been there for a while. But that's that's really you know why was that you committed to learning everything with what you're told you responded and you know like spoke with us we felt like we could trust you and you know i think my dad understands too that there needs to be more um new blood and in order for that to happen you know through some of the schools yeah you have to you have to branch out sometimes and i mean in the past it's bit some other people in the butt with giving you know outrank with people who were good at karate but they just took it and then just used it as like a check in the box like right got this is just this this so yeah but so yeah i just wanted to give some background for for that too because it was a it was a moment that was like it was humbling to me mm-hmm. at, but at the same time also like a really proud moment for me um because and i, I didn't mention this but i had, I had also recently tested for my yondan in the <clears throat> shorenjiru yeah and so when i came in to do the goju you know, your dad was like, yeah, you're a showdown level. So I was like, oh, shit, I just got knocked down like three pegs, you yeah, know? Yeah, And, um, but then he gave me the, like, the license to go back and, and yeah. you know, continue developing our relationship and start yeah. teaching Goju yeah. in my own, in my own program. And we, when I, the day I went back, everything that we were doing for, like, the Shodenji, we like, it was just a dead stop. I didn't even do, like, a gradual transition. Yeah. I just went back and said, this is what we're doing now. Yeah, yeah. Forget everything you've learned. Yeah. Uh, everybody who has tested, if you're getting ready to test, we're suspending testing for, <laughs> uh, you know, it was like eight months or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll, we'll do a test like later on. Yeah. And um, as a matter of fact, it, it went almost, I think it was like eight months later, I actually had your dad, I flew him up to Virginia. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And that was, I think, one thing that with, you know, because he'll speak personally with me and bluntly yeah. about things. He's like, this guy better make an effort to like either come down or have me come up there because, yeah. you know, he's not a big egotistical guy, but he's like, this is the commitment yeah. that you must make to yep. do it. And if not, he's like, I'll go take that certificate from whatever, <laughs> however, you know, however it is, but. Well, it was, it was like, I think it was exactly six months <clears throat> from when I came to when I flew your dad to Virginia. And we had like, it was, I have pictures of it on Facebook and stuff like that. And it's really cool. Cause I had about like 35. Yeah. Students. That was a really cool event that I saw. Like yeah. with, you know, just, it was 
I don't know, just just super cool where where you guys were at. Where were you at YMCA? We were in a, uh, actually the the gymnasium of a boys and girls club. <clears throat> yeah. And it like looking down, it looked really great. But like if you look at some of the pictures, like you see like the it's all run down, like the walls are <laughs> yeah. like falling down. Well, and the stuff pictures like that. look good. Like it yeah. was like you know a, a seminar. Yeah. Like, yeah. Type thing. And uh, I think that was really a cool thing for like again for bridging that trust between your dad and I because yeah. he was like, okay. There's a lot of effort being made to make sure that these people are doing what they're supposed to be doing because yeah. he, he recognized he, like even some of my people that were like in the brown belt level he was like they're they're probably ready to be black belts like yeah. they know yeah. like he wasn't like saying test them for black belt he was yeah. just saying they're they're right they're right there yeah. yeah so keep keep working at it and, and stuff like that and I remember actually it's it's a funny story that I still tell to people because. Um, when I started in the Matayoshi curriculum, I actually started before I met you guys. Mm, yeah. And your dad came and did this thing. Like, I thought I was, like, doing really good because I always talk about, like, how important it is to, like, have a grip on your bow and just hold and not, like, have a loose, like, yeah. hand. And I'm standing there in front of your dad, and I'm, like, holding on to my bow, and he does this thing, and my bow just goes flying across the... <laughs> I'm like, that is so embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, like, really funny at the same time and, and humbling. Yeah. Uh, but that's how I ended up getting into the Shobukan. And, matter of fact, that same year, I had your dad come up here, and then, you know, I... You know, kind of gave him a little, some special treatment and took him to get acupuncture yeah uh, yeah the cupping right he, like he he did, did did, i think he did both cupping oh and yeah acupuncture. yeah she, he fell asleep and then she did all the <laughs> acupuncture and uh uh he's he said he loved it he was like you know yeah. i haven't been that loose in a long time and you know he had a nice hotel and we had some nice dinners and and, and then we had like a big sayonara party and at the sayonara yeah. party he actually presented me with my like official from Okinawa yeah. Shodan certificate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's when he kind of started talking about the plan to go that everybody was going to Okinawa yeah. later that same year. So that's when um, that was my first trip actually was with your dad mm -hmm. and your uncle and you know unfortunately you couldn't go on that one but yeah, there's no. you know uh, there JT was there. <clears throat> Yeah, uh, Sensei Phil Tamarkio, Sensei Ravisi, Sensei Jim Davenport. Um, so I had already met Sensei Phil and Sensei uh, Ravisi. Yeah. Uh, at a like, I just went to their dojo. And yeah. Trained yeah. With yeah. Them. And then that was actually <clears throat> the same year because it was right after your dad had come up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just went to New York and yeah. Actually, it was actually this weekend because I just got the memory. Oh yeah, that <laughs> it was this like, weekend. It was July fourth. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. And then, uh, then we went to Okinawa, but that that's when I met your uncle. Yeah. You know, and and I, I was really nervous about meeting your uncle too because, uh, like on Facebook, he had already kind of given me some some guff about yeah, some stuff yeah, because yeah. your uncle's a very passionate person. Yeah, and he, he is. wants to. And, and again, it is like I was saying before; it's it's kind of rare for something like that. To, yeah, to and he, he he wants to protect the organization, and I'm I'm all for it. Yeah. But when we left Okinawa, he made this big post on Facebook mm -hmm. about he was like, I don't, you know, Jonathan CV is, you know, he is he is Shobukan and he is my Kyodai and blah blah blah, yeah. and like that was really nice. Yeah. To be yeah. so that same kind of family. Uh, feeling that I was talking about having in the Tong Sudo uh, group, I have here with the Shobukan, you know, and I've I've come here now. I stay at your apartment. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it, you've come and stayed with me. And I have. And Jonathan and I went to Okinawa. That was actually yeah. my first trip to Okinawa, which was after after his. Yep. So that was special for me too. I always thought I'd go with my 
my father and uncle and whatever, but I think it was honestly better for my own journey um, to go there, uh, to start and, uh, start and establish direct relationships with the Okinawans. Because yeah. as I go up in, in not just rank, because not everything's about rank, but as I go in, up in my training, I think it's important for me to build my own relationship separate yeah. not always not i don't not saying i want to go out on my own but just have my own autonomy yes yes with with the okinawans and and our masters and stuff yeah so um well, we kind of went kind of long on my uh... yeah no it's, it's okay it's all right um so we also we wanted to talk about the traditional traditional training and sport training and since you know you know, you heard from me how I kind of started retraining self-defense. Jonathan had his reasons as well and then got into sport. So I wanted to give a platform to him to kind of explain and talk about some stuff and to say that first and foremost, so for a long time, like I hated sport karate. Like I did not like it, but I didn't, I couldn't really say anything bad because I couldn't compete against any of those guys. So I would only kind of talk negatively about the kata and I still have a little bit of stigma towards their kata and competition, but I think it's whatever floats your boat, and those guys still train like like crazy. It's just I have for me, I train for a different reason than than maybe they they train. And although those two can be interconnected, sometimes like if you're even if you're training for competition and you're doing sport kumite, like I said in my first podcast, you get into like a fight. Like most guys are like, oh yeah, you get destroyed. Well, no, <laughs> no, you wouldn't, because you're there's not you know the guy at the bar that's that doesn't fight and he just getting an altercation and he's not used to like being in the dojo for three hours a day every day yeah. fighting like we well, yeah, it's sport but still so well you know and this that's the thing is like i every time the wkf posts a video of like a match or something like that uh you know you you read through the comments and all there's always at least one person that's like put him in a ring and you know he'll get beat up by yeah. him you know, that's the dumbest argument I think you can ever have. That's like saying, that's like a soccer player watching Same. a basketball game yeah. and being like, oh, that guy could never play soccer. Yeah, throw it's, him in the court. Yeah. It's two different sports. You It'd know? be like, Just, a comparison would be like, yes, they're both playing with a ball, ball right. but it's, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a, different, a different... It's a different thing. You know, if you take an MMA guy and put him <laughs> into the WKF Kumite, like, rule set and stuff like that, he's he's going to get disqualified right off the bat, probably because he's going to try some weird stuff that yeah. doesn't fit the, the mold, or he's just going to get pieced up because, you know... Yeah, you guys just in and out so yeah. quick and... And, and that's not... To say that the MMA guy now sucks, it's just yeah. he has trained for a specific rule set and a specific sport. Yeah. And the same thing with WKF athletes. They train for a specific thing yeah. and a specific rule set. And I think that people have to understand that they're, they're – I, I, I wanted to group these together because of the facts of your journey and what you do it for is different. So just because MMA guy or, or street fighter guy does – martial arts for self-defense so that is what's most important for him right. if the sport guy does it for sport that's what's important to him you there's there's not See. a comparison you can't yeah you know like and it's it's, it's different now if you had a guy who just did street i'm sorry did sport kumite yeah. and tried to say oh yeah i could go in the ring and yeah. dominate because yeah. like that that would so. be you know and, and, you know, my whole perspective on the thing is, is okay, if you take an MMA guy, put him in the WKF ring, he's going to have a really difficult time adapting to the rule set fast. Yeah. Whereas if you take a, a WKF trained athlete and put him in the ring, 
I still think he's going to lose. Yeah. But I think he's going to adapt to the the fight style faster mm. uh, because these WKF athletes they don't just train that one thing right they're yeah. still karateka they still go and they still train knees they still train elbows <clears throat> they still train yeah. punches they still train kata they still train you know bunkai and self defense and things like that yeah. they, they they they're more well rounded than what's being displayed on just the WKF just platform or yeah exactly yeah. Um, and and the principles of combat. That was one thing that's interesting for you is that when Jonathan came into our dojo and I think some of our people were hesitant because there were some techniques you were showing which kind of are – they were – I don't want to say polar opposites but it was just a few things that were much different than what our students have been taught over the course of some years. Yeah. But for me, I was like, OK, I don't care if I'm not going to use this specific technique. What is the – what is the, the – the, underlying principle yeah. behind that and that's the principles of combat are universal right we're talking about timing we're talking about distance we're talking yeah. about speed reaction and the one thing about wkf athletes um, and and mma athletes as well too and yeah. and you know any any fight any yeah. fighter really you you develop a um an ability for critical thought under pressure yeah and i think that's one of the most important things to develop uh, for a lot of karate people, it's difficult to break into the MMA scene. A lot of them just don't want to, yeah. but still want that uh, that kind of pressure for themselves. Yeah. And I think competitive karate is a good way to start developing that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, if we if you just stay in the dojo and you just train against your dojo brothers and sisters and mates, you you're gonna think you're a badass yeah. because you're gonna get used to that person. Yeah, you're gonna well, get really and, and good you against. Develop friendships, so you're not always trying to like. Not that you ever want to hurt anybody, but there's less of that. Like, but but even if you do, like, <clears throat> even if you like, even if you and I have an agreement, like, yeah, we're gonna go hard. Yeah. Uh, every single day, we're we're gonna get to a point where either I'm gonna know everything that you're gonna do. Yeah. Or you're gonna to get to know everything that I'm gonna do, and I'm one of us is just gonna be the superior athlete because yeah. of whatever physical fitness conditions or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's just so I'm gonna be really good against you, yeah. and then be like, okay, I'm a I'm a total badass yeah. now, and then walk out the but door. But then you, yeah, you go out somebody, yeah. You that know, that makes that does make a lot of sense. I mean, we. Another another thing <laughs> I like to look at with competitive training too is in karate, you're coming up through the Q ranks. You know your colored belts goal setting is easy mm. because you want to get to that next belt yeah yeah I gotta learn this next kata I gotta learn, learn this, this exactly this, yeah but once you get to that showdown level <clears throat> the time between ranks is a lot more yeah and the material that you're getting is less yes you get a it's lot like the less. same material but it I mean maybe only a little bit of technicalities right but, it's yeah. technical changes or whatever but the, the exact material that you're getting is less so when you take into account like as human beings we want we want goals we want yeah. to be able to work for something yeah competition gives us that right yeah. especially you look at athletes that are competing year round yeah january to december you know you, you may have like a, a three weeks off where you're really not training for yeah. something throughout yeah. that whole year but you have that constant goal of okay now i'm working towards this thing i'm working towards this tournament i'm working towards this tournament i'm working towards yeah. this tournament and that keeps that pressure on yourself to really work hard yeah you look at the non-competition people 
and they're they're kind of broken up into different categories. You have like the researchers, yeah, right, and then you have the people who are you know kind of casual hobbyists. Yeah, and you have like the people who you know are just they they want to they love like they're Japanophiles. You know, yeah, so they want they like the culture, culture of it yeah, all yeah. And, and that kind of stuff. Um, but the, and even for each of them, like the the pressure is different. So like the researcher, they're not so pressed to want to train hard yeah. because they're more pressed to want to you know read a book or find a new text yeah, or yeah. do research or whatever. I'm sure that there can be and in, in, you can hear sometimes about instructor burnout. Yeah, and I can see that even I myself go through 